Zay. What's up, my man? Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy you all are spending some time with us. Chip and Zay right here on the uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered channel, app, YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed so that you can see me in my granny glasses today. <laughs> uh, because without you look them, good, man. You, you look good. I'm, yeah, well, you're kind, Zay. <laughs> Do not get your eyes checked. Um, I am, I'm in Alabama. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the fever. There we go. It is, it is big time here, Zay. Um, everywhere you go, everybody's talking about this game. And it is going to be big time. So um, we'll have John Talty from Bama247.com joining us at 1.30. Uh, he actually wrote a book called The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban that is a um, bestseller. Okay. And has been covering SEC and Bama football probably as, about as long as I have. So been covering Texas. Um, we will be breaking down this game every which away. And then in the two o'clock hour for the, for the chip shot, um, I'm going to kind of bring you back to a circle of life uh, possibility for this game uh, because Texas's fall from grace can be traced back to the 2009 national championship loss, Colt McCoy's injury, Mac Brown losing his mind. And uh, ultimately, some big money donors uh, foiled attempt to hire Nick Saban. I'll take you through it all. Um, and I've, I've actually written about it today at horns247.com, tweeted it out at uh, Chip Brown 24 um, 7. So check it out because uh, it's a lot. It's a, it's a, well, listen, it's been 13 years, Zay, since Texas was living in the top 10 and being a, a perpetual um, presence in BCS bowl games and fighting to, to get to national championship games, winning a national championship in 05, that first decade of the 2000s, which I call the golden age of Texas athletics when uh, your boy Rick Barnes took the uh, Longhorns to the final four in 03 with TJ Ford. And then they got that awful matchup with – TJ having to go up against Carmelo Anthony at the top of that two, three zone, Hakeem Warwick on the back end of that zone. It was, it was tough sledding for my man, TJ, who goes about five eleven. Yeah. What's the vibe there in Austin, man? What, I mean, this game's about as big as it gets. Everybody's talking about it. And I, and I, every show, what's your sense there, Zay, of what, uh, what the vibe is. You think people are, fired up are they nervous are they optimistic what what's your sense yeah you just threw out three good multiple choice questions and there's always <laughs> the at the bottom that says all of the above all of the above of what you just said they're nervous they're optimistic they're excited and how can you not be you know texas has a very good opportunity to change the narrative a narrative that a lot of people who you know were born a little bit or really remember after the Mac Brown era, 
they don't have good memories of Texas. So you have the roster. You brought all these guys in. Sark, you're in year three. They know your terminology. They know how you operate. They know what to expect. You know, the coaching staff seems like they're locked in. And now you just got to put it on the field, man. At this point, I love this job, but I know those guys are tired of hearing it. And I just want to see them play. Like, I can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be a great atmosphere. And who's going to show up? Who's going to embrace it? You know, I know you've seen the Undertaker's little promo on the Texas uh, Longhorns football social media site. So they got the Undertaker involved, which gets you fired up. That dude's an absolute legend, the dead man during this wwe days but yeah man do you who's gonna show up and who's gonna nut up and you know who who's gonna oh man the bright lights deer in the headlights feeling this might be too much for me you know there's a lot of freshmen that are gonna get some clock tomorrow and hey we saw it last night in the kansas city chiefs lions game sometimes you can just get the yips like Kadarius tony like Kadarius. That dude's making some big-time money. He's a Super Bowl champion, and he's in the NFL. So think about what 18- and 19-year-olds might go through. You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's that's what I want to see. Do I think, you know, guys like Malik Muhammad, I'm not worried about him as much. I guess you would be worried about him maybe, like, gambling on stuff because he's just so confident. Sometimes you're overly confident and you kind of just play off too much adrenaline instead of using your mind on the field. But I'm not worried about him. I'm a little worried about Anthony Hills and, you know, C.J. Baxter, especially with the injury. Even though Sark said he was good yesterday, we will see. But, yeah, man, you just have a big opportunity in front of you. And this could give you a nice little wave to ride if you get this dub entering the Big 12 season. Man, I'll uh, I'll say this about the Lions-Chiefs game last night, Zay. I was used to say was, uh, you know, if, if a player just makes so many mistakes that they, that you think they're point shaving um, our man, Brad Kellner probably said it best <laughs> last night on our, on our text exchange that Kadarius Tony's looking at six games suspension for betting on the lions because that was unbelievable. Like Patrick Mahomes hits him right in the hands. The ball skips off his hands right into the hands of Alabama, you know, Brian, Alabama's Brian Branch, rookie for the Lions, takes it, picks six. Suddenly it's a tie game. Those Chiefs were dropping balls all over the field. Patrick Mahomes was so pissed after the game. I thought he was going to punch Kadarius Toney in the face. He looked so mad in that postgame press conference. He said, I'm embarrassed, you know, and I mean, the Lions will take it. Look, the NFL is like Nick Saban said last night on his on his coach's show. Um, expect a street fight with Texas for three and a half hours. He said, we're all going to be in a street fight. The NFL every week is a street fight and you'll take the win whenever, however you can get it. 21-20 Lions escape. And I mean, listen. You know, I'm a Lions guy. I grew up watching the Lions. In fact, my wife and I last night booked a trip to Tampa to see the Lions for 
during Texas's off week. There we go. So I'm all in, man. I'm going to go get my uh, Amon Ross St. Brown jersey and go to Tampa and let them heckle me for three and a half hours. Yeah, that's man. how I was vibing it. Yeah, that's probably their best-selling jersey. And he had a great game yesterday, touchdown, 71 yards. Like, that dude, it's just so easy for him to get open. And, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he has every right to be pissed. And I told – I've been telling you all week, like, I thought Detroit was going to win that game just because when you have two out of your three best players out and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, that's a big deal. They rely on both of those guys a ton on the offensive side. That's – the best tight end in the last decade. Again, you compare him to the Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharps of the world. Like he is right there with all those guys, you know, Kellen Winslow back in his day, like Travis Kelsey is right there. So missing him, Hey, you have to change your whole offense up in a way. And then on the other side, Chris Jones, like the havoc that he causes Jared Goff, he was in a clean pocket majority of the night. So yeah, if I'm Chris Jones, I was looking up at the owner's box. Like you see this, like looking at the older, like yeah. you, see, you see this, like you understand why y'all need to pay me. You understand why I deserve this money. Like, you know, the Lions, I know they've turned the book a little bit or turned the page in the book a little bit with Dan Campbell and just the energy that he's bringing to the Motor City. But, man, it's still the Lions. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to lose any game. And you can't blame him. The interception wasn't his fault. It's all on Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony had that fourth down – or, excuse me, fourth quarter uh, drop, which was absolutely brutal. Sky Moore had a couple of drops. Like, everybody. Nobody really played well on the – skill position standpoint and there's only so much Patrick Mahomes could do all he could do is throw you the ball when you're open you gotta catch it and they didn't last night Brian Branch did his thing the Crimson Tide guy which I'm glad he's gone so, so the horns don't have to worry about him because he was a dog there last year but yeah man just being in the right spot at the right time man I don't I don't know if it's an ask. You being a Lions fan, do you look at this as like an asterisk game just because Christian Jones and Travis Kelsey weren't playing? Or you're, like you said, just uh, in a way, NFL, a win's a win. Yeah. I mean, by the time we get to playoff time, no one's going to remember. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, right now, everybody's looking at it. But here's the thing the NFL is so tough. And it's so hard. I say this all the time. It is so hard to keep a group of millionaires who know they're getting a check on Tuesday, win or lose, motivated and moving in the same direction because everybody's got a different vibe, man. I mean, in college, the coaches have the control. In the NFL, the players have the control. And you better have a locker room full of players who want to win, who want to pull for each other and not let each other down or you're going to have what I covered with the Dallas Cowboys in the early two thousands, a bunch of dudes going in a bunch of different directions because they're bringing in Ryan leaf and Chad Hutchison. And I'm not, I'm not going to dog Quincy Carter because Quincy took him to the playoffs with, with Bill Parcells and My Q, dog. Q lives in Austin, man. My dog. Q might be listening right now. Q Q knows I, I was, you know, I said, I, I appreciated what he was doing with the, with the Cowboys. And, and even though, you know, Emmett Smith was like, I didn't sign up for this because he, you know, he had, he had what he had Tony banks and then they cut him for Quincy Carter and 
Emmett was like, I didn't sign up for this. It was like, <laughs> their lockers were like three apart from each yeah. other. And Quincy just had to, you know, keep going. And he did. So anyway, but that locker room was crazy. And, you know, you had Joey Galloway making a fortune and making business, <laughs> making business decisions on passes. I mean, they were, they, it was just five and 11 everywhere you look. So you, in the NFL, man, every win is gold. And, and so let's see let now for the lions, it, that's a, that's a game that gives them confidence because they got so many young players. They got so many young players. I mean, um, Brad Jones, their GM has done a great job of drafting. I mean, they've drafted 23 players the last uh, three years and 20 of them are still on the roster. So they're doing a great job of, of, you know, identifying talent, developing talent. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it Yo, plays out from here. Chip, Jameer Gibbs, man, that dude's the real deal. That dude's the real deal. I know we saw it last year at Bama, and he was taken a little high You're from right. my liking, especially with the value of running backs in the National Football League. But, man, that run that he had in the fourth quarter with about five minutes to go on the right side – he juked the guy to the left, and then he got kind of stood up where his back turned to a dude. And then when his back is turned, he hit a move, like a little jab step to the right, and then cut back to the left and went sideline and ended up standing up out of bounds for the first down. And I was like, yo, that's different. That's different, man. And, you know, Montgomery, he did his thing too, but it's going to be hard to keep 26 off the field because that guy, he's got a lot of juice to him. And, yeah, you're right. They've done a great job, you know, drafting just high-level guys that fit what they want to do. Like we just mentioned Brian Branch, who had the pick six yesterday. and Cam you know, Hutchinson, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. And Aiden Hutchinson looks like that dude still. He might not got a sack on Patrick Mahomes because Pat's so mobile in the pocket and does such a good job moving around. But he was there. He was causing havoc. And, yeah, if they can ride this momentum. Hey, I picked them to win the North. Like, I I picked them to win the NFC North, and they're off to a good start. But, you know, Minnesota, they're still going to be hanging around. Justin Fields ain't no punk either. I'm not necessarily worried about Jordan Love. But, yeah, it's the Lions' year to to lose, in my opinion, because they just have so much talent. All right, hold on, Zay. We got a special guest. Yeah. Joining the show. Special guest. Michael Griffin. Oh, man. Three-time pro bowler, national champion. Michael, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound good, man. You sound smooth. Hey, they, they, you, 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 I finally get a microphone that works out of all the shows we've been on. I mean, you sound like you're ready to host a smooth jazz show. All right, enough of that. You ready to – you and Zay, I mean – no, Mike listen. So, so, hey, Zay. So, listen. I'm, I'm up here at Covert out here in BKs doing a little, you know, little, little good thing. And then I just look on all the TVs, and all I see is you. Yeah, ah. man. And it just made me realize I gotta address the fact that you gotta stop telling everybody that I owe you money. I'm gonna keep telling everybody till you pay me. What you mean? No, man. Listen. No. Listen, listen, that little baby dunk you think you call you call a dunk and you're six three, six four. No, that does not count. That is not a dunk. 
All right, let, up there though. Hey, tell the up people where you yeah. already halfway up there at six three six four. No, what do you mean no. you up there? It ain't right. that easy. There's a lot of people that are listening to the show that have never touched the net that can't relate. I was up there though. You didn't even touch the rim. You like barely put it in there. Okay, oh, tell the people it. what on earth you're talking about. When was this? How many years ago? What happened? You, you know, I got hit in the head a lot, so I don't know exactly how yeah. many years. But Zay, I do. Zay, yeah, Zay, yeah, your CTE Zay, acting up, Mike. Your CTE acting up. You might need to check that. I know what happened. Listen, listen, I, I, I have a great memory, and the memory I do remember is you did not get up there. You, like, barely, like, listen, we could call we could call your brother, and we can call your dad. Like, you call didn't do him. it. Call, they going to they gonna hate, too. I get it. Oh, now, now, now everybody's hating on you? Come on, man. Bro, Let's, he's I, been hating on me since I came out the womb, man. That ain't I didn't nothing. even know you when you came out the womb. Yeah, like, well, now that I do know you, like I, I just knew you as Brandon's little brother. Like you didn't even have a name in high school, man. Stop this craziness. <laughs> Yo, man, I was all district, just like you, just for basketball. You weren't all district in basketball, were you? I got that on you. Mr. Matter of fact, listen, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Ask your dad who the best defensive player to ever play for him was, and Ooh, then we can settle this right. Uh, and that's your own pops. Uh, he ain't gonna say you. He, he better not say you. That's over forty yeah. years. Of he who better he not. Is. Say hey, you. he I, better I, not I, say you. You came off the even, bench eight minutes a game. Come on. Who I, came off the bench? You did. I had to guard the best players. <laughs> and and uh, lie and say I didn't. You used to come to the games eating your popcorn to watch the show. <laughs> Mike, we booey alums. I got a lot of respect for you, dog. You need to get that CTE check, man. You had a long, great bro, career, bro. terrific career. For the, you did, you did terrific for the Titans bro. organization. Let me you ask you did. a question: Did y'all, did y'all win? Did y'all win district when you was there? Yeah, yeah, we did. Boy, come, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, you're yeah. talking to a three-year letterman here. I had a lot of miles on me. Yeah, we won district when I was there. Yes. You 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 sound like you sound like the dad, you sound like the dads with the kids out at, at like the high school games and stuff, man. I got three lettermans. I lettered it, Bowie. You know, I did this. Yes, you sound like that right now. Yo, speaking of, you a traitor. What is this? I hear your son going to Lake Travis. What's wrong? Like Bowie ain't too good. What you mean I'm a traitor? Hey, listen, I still support Bowie. You ask him where the uniforms came from, bro. Don't, don't, don't shortchange your boy. Don't do that. I still support now. I still support my alma mater. Don't do that. I know, they but nice, they got some nice uniforms. They got some nice. But your third one looked good in it. They got some nice uniforms, and for the first time in history, they uh, they two, had though. red pants. Listen, we own two. We need help. Your son could have helped. Now he's at Lake Travis. What does that mean? What, I you know? I was I had family matters as I was moving, and we all know that my son lived in Dallas and he moved in with me, and because I moved, I was in the Lake Travis district. I it's only right in the by by rules that he has to go to the school that I am zoned to. I understand how that works, but yes, I know, that's I know UIL rules. rules. I don't cheat the system. I am. I go by the rules. But Question I know the is, Roku and Gigi's money is good. Like you could, you could stay in the area, like Circle C. That's where you're from. Like go back home. Why not? I'm just saying we're zero and two right now. We could use a little help. Coach Abel's could use a little help. Like it, 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 it would change tonight. Okay. They'll we'll be see. one and two. They will go to the playoffs this year. Mark oh, my wow. words. All right. Four teams from every district go to the playoffs. You want to bet on that? 
Because you still owe me a thousand. You how much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? You act, you act like they got just like you act like they just got beat bad by the games they lost. No, no. Yeah. So like, what are you saying? I'm just saying, Coach Abel's doesn't start zero two very often. That's all I'm saying. And your son's at Lake Travis when his dad was an absolute legend at Bowie. I'm just trying to make it make sense, Mike. That's all you know, I'm trying sometimes, to do. Sometimes kids don't want to fall in their dad's footsteps. You know, your dad went on to be a basketball coach and a lot of different things like that in the college level. <laughs> we just lose. Yeah, we lost the. We just lost Griff. Yeah, Griff, you're muted right now. So unmute yourself. He smiled at the camera, so I know. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Can oh, you hear me you. now? Yeah. And what I said you. was, some kids like to have their own paths, like you, Zay, because you know you could have followed in your dad's footsteps of being a uh, a basketball coach and coaching for 20 plus years at Bowie, but you decide to go to radio. That's a nice picture behind your head. Appreciate it. And yeah, yeah we got to work true. on Zay's. Uh, we got to work on Zay's studio. You know what I'm saying? We got to work on Zay's haircut, but we ain't gonna talk no, about that. No, we'll talk no, about no, that no, don't talk about me and my hair right now, Miss Gray. You, 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 hey, hold on. Listen, do they charge you full price Come or half now. price for the haircut? <laughs> Is it Maybe full because or half? you muck my head up when you tried to cut it back in the day. I haven't I, recovered. I remember I a, that. You I owe did me a for great that. job. I did no, a great you didn't. No, Why are you, you younger than me and you're losing your hair quicker than me? <laughs> hey, Griff, now you owe him for the haircut. Huh? Oh, that that's listen. I do a hey, round. Hey, I do a better job this time. Like, let me cut it off. Let's do it on TV. Let me let me cut your hair. Um, I'm not letting that happen. Oh, we got to do that on the air. Ain't no way. I got to hold on let's, to this. Let's let me cut your hair. I got to hold on to this. I got hold on. It's the hold camera. On you see what? You see in the weird camera. It's just the camera angle, man. You see it. I'm high and tight and right, dog. Quit hating. Oh, it looks. It, look, it, look, it looks like you just keep your head up like this the entire time to make it look like you still got something. But no, it's not high and tight. That's just your neck going up. <laughs> Yo, man, why BK bring your ass home, man? You supposed to be. Why? why listen, we ain't got to use the prophet, man. Respect your elders. See, that's the thing. Yeah, you respect your elders. Now. Hey, Griff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, the, hey, Zay, Zay, grown men talking. Yes, sir. You wow. bought the uh, you bought the Bowie Bulldogs some new uniforms. Can you help Zay with his studio there at the at the casa? Oh, I, could, I could, I could, I could definitely put like you know one of my my frame jerseys behind him, make it look like a real sports. There we go. Or something. Now we're that, talking, that, Zay. Listen. That, that pa- that painting look like you got it at like Target or Walmart. I don't know what what is Damn, that. So now you hand on my wife. See that one thing. Now you hand on my wife and her decoration. No, I ain't put your wife now. in it. I ain't put Come your on wife. Now. You, this is her. you chose you chose where you want to where you want to set up at. You chose so that. Comfortable. Not your wife. You chose that. Man, I'm trying to put a good sports show on. It's just you. You worried about the what about things, the painting Mike? says sports? You worried about that. That's why it's just me. That's, That's all the you problem. He was the he was the least <laughs> least sporty person I know. <laughs> you are giving me oh. all these layups, and I'm just dunking them. Like, what's oh, going man. on here? You a hater, man. Hey, I'll take Marcus's jersey. You got Marcus's jersey. Let me get that. Let me get hey, the number twenty six. I don't need number twenty seven because that hey, just comes hey, back. Hey, I need hey, the number twenty six. Hey, what's what's the main topic that you keep saying? though? we had jerseys at the next level. I love you too, my boy. <laughs> Hey, oh, Griff. I appreciate it, dog. <laughs> Griff. Yes, sir. 
before you uh before you head out, man, give I us might have ta- I might have take over Zay because Zay look like he's losing the audience, and I'm I gave him oh, back. Cause, hey, we'd love to have you on every week. I I, I, I ain't got no job. <laughs> hey, let's do it every Friday. Yeah, man, let's do Friday. I, I I ain't got no job. Not to mention, LHN is not gonna be around for long. So you know, I I got yeah, time today. You know, yeah, you about to get fired. It's cool though. You haven't been fired very on, much. On my on career. my day off, I'm gonna get fired. You're 100 right. So Griff, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about tomorrow? I think Texas really got a good shot. Uh, if you go back, you watch Middle Tennessee State game, uh, seeing what uh, Sweat did up in the middle, um, getting the pressure that he generated against uh, Rice and 150th time that they played against JT Daniels. But uh, we're not going to talk about that. But uh, but again, he did a great job. If you look at Alabama, um, pressure up the middle, um, you were able to get uh, to get uh, Jalen Milrow off his spot. But thing is, you're going to have to contain him. You go back to the game plan versus TCU. I think Texas had a really good game plan on the defense side of the ball, containing uh, Max Duggan, and that's something that you're going to have to do versus Alabama. On the offense side of the ball, um, we know Alabama likes to press coverage. So, you know, the receiving core, they're going to, you know, have to get off that get off that jam or whatnot. But the thing is, I think Texas has a great opportunity with Tavion Sanders and uh, Jordan Whittington in the middle. Last year, I believe, Whittington had about eight catches. Um, and Sanders started coming on throughout the season. But uh, now you 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 add some other weapons and key elements when you go to um, Mitchell on the outside, a bigger target. But then So you, you're not going to be able to just roll your coverage over Xavier Worthy. So it's going to be very exciting. Both corners from Alabama got hurt last week, so it'll be um, curious to see what they look like coming back. Um, and I think this is going to be a game in the trenches. Who can who can who can move the trenches around? I think Texas D line looked very very great last last week. Even though you want to say it's Rice, um, they did a phenomenal job. You can see what they've been doing. Um, a lot of veterans on that side, offense side of the ball, they're going to have to figure things out. I think Cole Hudson is going to start at the guard position, but again, all those guys got playing time. Um, and the biggest thing is just facing adversity, going into a hostile environment, night game. Um, you know, can they just weather the storm? It's going to be up and down, but I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last, like last time. And uh, I think Texas will come out victorious. Love it. Mike, you like the secondary for the Horns? You know, they try to compare them to y'all and what y'all did during your tenure, but I we still haven't seen enough yet. Catalan coming along, Holmes coming along, and Malik Muhammad, he looks like a dog too, along with Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks. How do you like these guys? I like them a lot. You, you know, when you, you – it's hard to say, you know, and compare the game. I mean, the game has changed so much. Um, you go back to when I played, you know, you had a lot of – you had single running backs, you know, when you played against, you know, uh, Kansas State, you had Sproles, and you played against, you know, OU, you had Adrian Peterson, uh, Griffin before that. You know, the game has changed so much. Um, so it's hard to compare. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think they got a good core group of guys. Um, I, I like Brooks on the outside. This is his first year starting. He had a lot of playing time last year. Jalen Calong, he's probably had the most experience playing in Arkansas. Been banged up. But – um. You're not too worried. Um, even going over to Watts, he had a tremendous year last year, first year playing corner. He tried to move him around a little bit at Ohio State or whatnot. But then Jade Barron's been playing great, great football. So 
You like to see what he's doing there at the nickel position. But I just think collectively together, um, Jaron Thompson, this is third year starting. Last year, he took really, really big strides. And I continue to see him be very vocal and still getting things done. And um, I just think collectively, they're doing a great job. Um, you know, the biggest thing is in any game is you, you just cannot give up the big plays. And I think last week they did a good job of doing that. Um, yes, they had the one big play, uh, the underneath pass that ended up going for about you know, 30, 40 yards, whatever it may have been, but they managed to stop that and uh, prevent them from scoring points. Love it. Love it. Quinn Ewers and Sark, great chance for them to show that they're elite tomorrow. Yeah, I man, I, I, I think I, I'm not worried right now. I think the biggest thing, when you look at the last game, it looked like a glorified practice. Uh, if you watch what the defense was doing for um, Rice, playing a lot of quarters, which if any people don't understand that, that's four four deep. So everybody's trying – the weakness of the defense is the outs. If you looked at a lot of the passes that Ewers completed with all the balls going to the outside, when you look at Xavier Worthy running those deep out routes and things in that nature. So and the, and the slants were open and things because they were giving a lot of cushion, just trying to prevent anything from going deep. Uh, yeah, they did try to take some shots, but I think it was just let's just see if we could hit one. Um, you look at the game plan, it just didn't look as if they were really trying to – do what a lot of teams do in that first game when they play um, an opponent where they feel like they are better than. Not saying anything, take away anything from Rice, but just the fact that, you know, the fan base and everybody expected the high score game, you know, like, oh, you did the 70 to zero, whatever it may be. But, you know, I think Sark just took a different approach. Let's get, let's get a lot of guys, a lot of playing time. You look on the defense side of the ball, they was rolling guys in every series, mixing and matching. Uh, different players. That's why we were able to see the young guys play. Um, but I think I, I didn't really take too much from that game because I think if you would have told yours just to throw a now route, or just throw a five-yard out or a hitch all game, he would have been able to complete that all game and they could just move the ball down the field as if that was the run game. This reminds you at all of the trip to Ohio State in 05? Yeah. Um, does this, it's hard because I think at that time we just came off uh, winning the Rose Bowl and it was the second game of the season. And we was in contentions of, hey, listen, all we got to do is win this, get past OU, and we're going to the national title game. <laughs> and, you know, Texas, as of right now, you know, they're talking about going to the college football playoffs. So the first thing is first is winning the Big 12. And does this remind me of that? I think the environment is going to be very uh, similar. But um, what's at what's at stake or or the – is it the same? I don't think so. Um Ohio State, you know, we know Alabama's Alabama. Um, but if you go back to the Ohio State game, you know, there was a lot of first-rounders that were playing in that game. And so um, – and that went on to have long careers at the National Football League. So it's it's, it's hard to say because we just – you know, we, we know there's a lot of potential players, but you, we don't know exactly where they sit at because you go – you know, you had two veteran quarterbacks going into that game, um, Troy Smith versus Vince Young. Um, you also would look at, you know, you had Lima Sweet, they had uh Tony Gonzalez, they had uh no Anthony Gonzalez, and they had uh Anthony Gonzalez, they had uh wow, well, I forgot his name, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh-huh. and then they also had Ted Ginn. So they had uh three good receivers. They also had AJ Hawk, they had Bobby Carpenter, they had a lot of those great guys. You know, Larry Nitus was on was number he was on the bench waiting his turn. So, uh, Ashton Yobooty, Dante Whitner. Um, I'll never forget them 
switching Justin Zwick and Troy Smith in and out of that game. Yeah. So when we when we when we talk about you know that you know uh, it, it's it's in that perspective is not the same, but the same environment. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey Mike, because there is a slight possibility. I mean, we all expect Jalen Milrow to start tomorrow and play the whole game before he showed against Middle Tennessee State. But if you look at that depth chart against Middle Tennessee State, it said Jalen Milrow or Ty Buckner or Ty Simpson. So he's still on a short leash as a defensive player. How do you go into, okay, we know this guy's going to play, but how do we focus on these other two guys that might come in? Well, the thing you got to understand is the game plan is a game plan. And you got to understand that as the game is going, you know, you're going to face different things. You're going to face adversity. They might throw a wrench in it. They're going to do different things. So you got to be able to see what the team is trying to do against you. And and as they're trying to do this against you, you got to understand that, okay, well, this is what we're going to do to combat that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a chess match, and you know, and that's the biggest thing. You look at last year, you know, Ewers came in second game starting, and you know, in the first quarter, Lord have mercy, it was going great. And then next thing you know, you throw Hudson Carter in the mix, and you're in your mindset, you're thinking of what happened the previous year when Casey Thompson took over in the Arkansas game. And then it kind of, you know, you're like, okay, is Hudson just, is he just not the guy? But then Hudson played tremendously well for the time that yours was out. So um, did it bring a different element to the game? Yeah, we knew Hudson can move around a little bit compared to what Quinn Ewers is doing. So you just got to be prepared for those things. You even go back to the the OU game years ago, uh, Spencer Rattler was having a terrible game. And, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley pulled him. Next thing you know, you got a Heisman Trophy out there running around. So it's 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 just different. You just got to be prepared at all times. Whatever happens, you got to face adversity. So um, understand that you really don't know. And it goes either way. You don't know what may happen in this game. So um, I always say in big-time moments come big-time players and make big-time plays. So if your number is called, if you get that opportunity, no matter what side of the ball you're on, offense, defense, you're for Alabama, if you're for – Texas, it's a six o'clock game. And everybody's going to be watching. So if you want to become somebody, it's a great opportunity to become somebody. Hey Griff, we're right. gonna we're gonna bring on John Talty from uh, Bama twenty four seven. You want to stick around and ask him some questions with us? Easy money, yes, sir. All right, let's go, let's go, let's bring in uh, the man, John Talty. Uh, he is the foremost expert on Alabama football. John, how you doing, man? Doing great. Good to talk to you again, Chip. I think we've gotten a lot of time this week. I know, I know. It's that it's one of those weeks where it's just uh, it's just constant. Uh, say hi to Michael Griffin, Pro Bowler and uh, Texas National Champion in 05. What's up, Michael? How are you, man? Hey, how you doing, John? Good, good. So, Griff, we'll give you the first question. Okay, first question. Where where do you think Alabama's weakness is this year? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the the one that I've kind of come back to over and over again from last year, fall camp into the season, is I just don't think that they have those kind of elite receivers that we've seen over the last like, decade plus, but especially that run where they had 
Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, Devonta Smith, even guys like John Mechie, you know, they had such this such an incredible run and they just they didn't have that last year. You saw that in the game against, you know, uh, Texas last year, which Bryce Young had to do a lot on him on his own. There were not a lot of receivers able to get separation and do uh, what they've you know, been able to do in previous years. So that to me is a big question for this game is that are there guys in Alabama's receiving group that can make plays against, you know, a, a Texas secondary that I think probably has the advantage. And if they're not able to to get open, if Tommy Reese isn't able to kind of scheme up stuff to get them open, that just puts a lot of pressure, I think, on Jalen Milrow. And you know, Jalen looked really good week one, but he's not Bryce Young. We know that right now. So I just I think that's a real question mark for this game. Yeah, John, you know, Jalen Milrow, he had a hell of a game on Saturday, but it's middle Tennessee. I mean, breaking records at Alabama, that's doing something special. I don't care who you play against. But on that depth chart we just talked about a little bit, it said Jalen Milrow or Ty Buckner or Ty Simpson, which means he's on a short leash to me. If he plays bad at any point of the game, this is the same guy that pulled, you know, Jalen Hurts for Tua in the national championship game. He will pull you if you're playing bad and he thinks he can still win with someone else. Do you see that happening or do you see Nick Saban maybe riding it out with Jalen Milrow because he is next and he's that talented? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the big questions. I think what's interesting is, you know, before that Alabama Middle Tennessee State game, I did not think we were going to get to talk to any of the quarterbacks after the game because there was so much, you know, buzz around it, so many questions. And like you said, they were all listed as or uh, on the depth chart. And then we got Jill Miller after the game, which was kind of surprising to me. And I think that was a little bit of a none of that happens unless Nick Saban gives a green light. So that was a little interesting to me. And then we got Jalen again on Monday. And so they've let Jalen talk to the media much more than I thought that they would, given just the quarterback battle. So I think that is a small sign of the confidence that that Saban has uh, in Jalen. But I can go back to, you know, 2015. Cooper Bateman started against Ole Miss, didn't play well. Jake Coker came in and they, they lost that game, but then Jake Coker became the guy moving forward. And, and there was, you know, they needed to see something from Jake to do that. So there's certainly precedent for it. You mentioned the championship game. That's obviously the most famous one. You know, I think more likely than not, I think they ride up Jalen, but to your point, I mean, if he's just atrocious in the first half, like Saban has shown that he is willing to make that tough decision. And between Tyler Buckner, who was the first guy in against Middle Tennessee State, and then Ty Simpson, who has the highest pedigree out of any of them, there's multiple options they can turn to if they need to if Miller just can't get it done. John, what's the latest on Malachi Moore and Jalen Key, uh, the two defensive backs for Bama who were banged up in that Middle Tennessee game? Yeah, I think at this point, I think they're going to play. Um, but – you know, they've been a little cagey about it. And I think it's just a question about just how, how fully, you know, close to 100% are they? You know, I think at this point, they're not 100%. I don't think they're going to be 100% on Saturday. But can you get to a place where you're still able to be effective? I think that's the goal. Both of those guys have been able to practice this week. Uh, they're able to move around a bit from what I've heard. So I think that they're going to play. But, you know, that's that's something that I'm very interested to see you know, just knowing Stark a little bit from his time in Alabama, I could see him wanting to go after that early on. I think you want to test it, um, see what those guys can do. They both played really well before they got hurt. And I thought there was a, 
noticeable drop off when they went out. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, the one touchdown they had was going after Malachi's replacement. So if I'm Stark, I want to test it early and see if those guys are going. Can they fully go? Um, and you know, I think that's a big challenge for Alabama in general, just given the talent that Texas has at the receiver position. Yeah, because Jalen Keys, the graduate, you know, he's the fifth year guy. He's the veteran at safety. The other safety. Caleb Downs is a true freshman, right? Yeah, and he's getting – I mean, they just love him over there. And I think he's – you could argue from a pure talent standpoint, he is the best player that Alabama has on their roster. Now, he's a freshman, and so he'll get tested. We'll see how he develops. But, you know, I mean, they talk about him in a way that they talked about Minka Fitzpatrick. And Minka was beloved at Alabama. And similarly – from as a freshman, Minka was given a lot of responsibilities more than the average freshman would get, and that's what I think Caleb is is already starting to get. He works really hard. Uh, the talent is there, and so they they think very highly of him. And you know, I think if you look at this Alabama team in general, and I've seen some people already kind of talk about this. You know, if you look at the absolute upper echelon top talent, I think Texas has some advantages there. You know, it's certainly not dominated by Alabama if you rank the top 10 players in this game. But I think Caleb, long-term-wise, will probably be the best player Alabama has on the field on Saturday. Griff? So basically what you're saying right now is the trajectory of Alabama right now is they that, that, that peak is kind of just peaked out and they're starting to become like a, a, a team that's mid-pack. I think the margin of error is, has gotten smaller. You know, you think about some of the earlier Saban teams that when they, you know, walked out there, you could just see the difference in the two teams. You know, I can remember talking to guys who played uh, some of the championship teams, you know, when they run out there against Notre Dame, that championship game, like they just looked at them and like, we're going to crush these guys. Like just the look test to like, we, we know we're going to kill these guys. And I think what's happened, you know, in part because of, former Saban assistants going to different places, you know, Kirby smart has recruited at an extremely high level and he's taken guys that Saban wants. Jimbo Fisher has recruited at a really high level at AM. He's taken guys Saban wants. Sark has done that. So I just think that the talent is more dispersed now than it used to be. And so there are times in the past where I feel like Alabama could give you like a, you know, a C plus game and win. And I don't think that they can really do that as much anymore. And I think, you go back to how they played against Texas last year. I think that was a pretty good example of that in which it wasn't Alabama's best game and they came very close to losing. And there were multiple games like that last year where in the past, it's probably a multiple touchdown difference and either it's coming down to the wire or they're losing those games. Zay. John, you see Tommy Reese coming in from Notre Dame, and he loves the 12 personnel. He loves the tight ends, which Amari Nyblack, I think he could really go crazy, not only in this game, but also for the rest of the year. I think he's an absolute freak. But what's the vibe on Tommy Reese? Do you think it fits with what Jalen Mirrow wants to do and the rest of this offense? Yeah, I think he's a good fit for the personnel that they have. You know, Nick Saban said after uh, week one that it's probably the best tight end group that they've had since he's been there, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting because uh, they've got some pretty good tight ends, you know, come through there. O.J. Howard, Irv Smith, some of these other guys. Cameron Latou was pretty good last year. But I think they're deeper and they have guys who can do different things. You know, you mentioned Nyblack, who I think is just a mismatch player, and that allows him to do different things. They got C.J. Dupre from Maryland, who I think, you know, was pretty effective Maryland and Maryland last year is a receiver, but he's also a really good blocker, and they haven't always had that. So you look at 
better tight ends than usual. They have a better offensive line this year than last year. Pretty deep running back group. It just seems to kind of set up well with 12 personnel with what Tommy Reese has shown that he liked to do at Notre Dame. And then you add in Jalen's running ability, and I think it just allows them to be dangerous uh, offensively. But there's still certainly some questions about how that all fits uh, when they go against, you know, a much better opponent, no knock on middle Tennessee state, but a much better opponent this weekend. John, can you talk about the hunger for this game in the Alabama fan base? I'm, I'm here in Alabama and they're talking about a hundred thousand people being outside the stadium who don't even have tickets to the game just because they want to be in and around it. Um, how tough a ticket is this? What's the, what's the hunger level? Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, it's one of the biggest non-conference games at Alabama. I think maybe the biggest non-conference game at Alabama during the Nick Saban era, you know. So there's just there haven't been a lot of these big marquee games. Of course, there's been, you know, there was the game of the century against LSU, you know, about a decade ago. And there's been some other big ones. But for a non-conference game against a marquee, well-known brand, I think there's been a lot of buzz. I think all offseason, this was the game that people were really excited about, um, given, you know, not just a close game last year, but Sark and Texas coming into the SEC. There's just a lot of fun storylines around it in that regard that I think play a role. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of buzz going on. I think pretty much – Everyone who has a pregame show is going to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. You know, you got game day, SEC Nation, Barstool. I'm sure ones I've never heard of will also be having their pregame show. So it's going to be a madhouse. I would say if you're going to the game, get there early. Traffic's going to be a disaster. Uh, it's it's going to be wild. But, yeah, it's there's a real discernible buzz uh, around this game. And I'm excited to – you know, just in the hours uh, before the game, just kind of wander around the quad and stuff like that. Cause I think it's going to be, it's going to be rocking with people. So you live in Birmingham. What time will you leave to go to a six o'clock game in Tuscaloosa? Maybe two, maybe a little earlier. Uh, I mean, it's going to take about an hour and then, you know, you're just going to hit, you know, traffic and all the issues down there. And sometimes I don't know about Egypt, but I, sometimes I like to just get there and I figure it out later, you know, and then not <laughs> having to, be stressed and get in there last minute. Um, so I'll probably go a little bit on the early end. Um, but, and I'm also, again, I'm just excited to see, you know, again, Middle Tennessee State was fine. It's first game of the year. That was great and all that. But like, there wasn't like a buzz in the city about Middle Tennessee State. I mean, it was what it was. Like, I'm excited to really just see the impact of this game because not only, like you said, are a lot of Alabama fans going to be there, but I saw, I can remember years ago, when Texas played at Ole Miss for a night game and Texas brought a lot of people to Oxford. And so I'm excited to see the kind of Texas contingent roll in because I think it's going to be a pretty strong group. All right. Let me ask you this real quick, Zay, while we're, while we're thinking about what you just mentioned Ole Miss, the last time Alabama lost at home at night was 2015 against Ole Miss. Uh, It was Chad Kelly, I think for Ole Miss he had Laquan Treadwell and Evan Ingram. And what, you know, what do you remember about that game? And do you see any similarities? So I think that game ended after midnight. I remember getting back home to Birmingham after 4 a.m. So I'll never forget that. That was a late one. Uh, but that's the, and that's the game that I was bringing up a little bit earlier. That was, it was very weird. They started Cooper Bateman in that game, um, kind of out of nowhere after Coker started the first two and did not play particularly well. And then Coker came in and, you know, started doing, much better. There's some weird plays. There was like a, a 
touchdown that like bounced off a guy, then it got caught it and ran. And it was just a weird game. The game ended after midnight. It was just wild back and forth scoring. Um, but yeah, that that's the game that I think is one that I come back to a lot just from my time in Alabama that like there were just questions about the quarterback still tough opponent um, and a guy who in Hugh Freeze knew saving pretty well, you know, he knew what he struggled to deal with. And I think that's what we could see Sark do too, where, you know, if you're, I do think this game is probably less scoring than we think it's going to be, but I feel like if you're in a horse race, I think that benefits Texas a lot more than it benefits Alabama. Cause I just don't think we've seen any beyond a little bit of middle Tennessee state. I don't think we've seen enough from Jalen Milrow to think that he can return serve back and forth. John, is there a player on Texas like when you've been just going through film and watching them that you think could really change the game because Alabama is weak at a certain spot or, you know, just a dynamic player on the Texas side? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple. I mean, I think the wide receivers are well established at this point, but I think I want to see how uh, they're able to try to slow those guys down. I mean, Worthy has gotten, you know, a lot of buzz, but, you know, Mitchell too, I mean, his kind of history with Alabama – um, being at Georgia. So those are some of the ones on that side. And I want to see how this Alabama offensive line handles what should be a really good Texas defensive line. You know, I think that they did really well last week. Uh, Middle Tennessee State was throwing some unique looks at them, and they did very well from a pass protection standpoint, did not do well from a run game standpoint. So I think that they'll be probably better at run game stuff, but I, I think that there's going to, I think Jalen Miller is going to face some pressure in this game. And so how can Alabama hold up in that regard against guys who, you know, from everything I've seen and read, like pretty highly regarded and will have a chance to be drafted pretty highly in the NFL. How do they handle that coming out of, and, and how does Jalen handle that? You know, I think we've seen one of his challenges in the past has been if the first read isn't there, just going, you know, and just running and, He's so athletic that that makes sense. But assuming Texas spies him and does some other things to contain him, you know, if they're able to get pressure of just a couple guys up front, I think it's going to create a lot of challenges for Alabama. John, if Alabama is, you know, going to cover, you know, win the game, do what they're supposed to do, uh, give us give us a player on offense um, outside of Jalen Milrow and a player on defense who have to come through. Yeah, I mean, I think on defense, I'll start with Dallas Turner. You know, he made the famous hit last year, but had really more of a quieter year than I think people expected. And he was a guy who got so much buzz, former five-star guy, and ended up with only four sacks that year. And then with Will Anderson leaving, he's been hyped up as the guy, you know, to take a step. And I think there's an opportunity with Texas's offensive line to be able to attack and get pressure on Quinn. And so I think Dallas Turner is going to have to make an impact in this game. I think he's going to have to live up to some of the first round hype that he's gotten, but hasn't always cashed in on. And then, you know, again, on the flip side, I'm just going to keep hammering the same point. I think a wide receiver has to step up. You know, we just have not seen that last year was the first time uh, I think in the save and error where, he didn't have a wide receiver. No, since 2012, they didn't have a wide receiver break 700 yards in the season. Um, so they, they, there's not a stud in that room. I think when Chip and I did a video earlier this week, I picked out Isaiah Bond as my guy who I think breaks out. Uh, I was really impressed by what he did against Middle Tennessee State. And even just if you guys saw, there was a clip of him kind of trucking a guy going across the sideline and it's just that attitude that Isaiah had fired up the team. And you could tell like he was fired up to do it. He's not the biggest guy, but he, you know, he showed a guy that he's got some strength to him. So I like him to, to make an impact, but 
whether it's him, Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, you know, Nye Black as a tight end, like somebody's got to make an impact. Somebody's got to be able to get open uh, and give Mil- and give Jalen a shot because, again, last year Bryce did not have a lot to work with, and he was a magician. He found a way to win, but I don't think Jalen's uh, at that level of magic yet, so he's going to need some more supporting help. John, as you know, Sark loves moving guys around before the ball snapped and having guys in motion and just trying to trick the defense that way. But one of my favorite matchups going into Saturday is Kool-Aid McKinstry and Xavier Worthy. If Zay moves around, is Kool-Aid going to follow him or do they want to just keep him on one side? Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like, you know, historically, I don't think that Saban always – locks in a guy one-on-one you know it's not the you know Revis island of just pick your guy and go um but i think that'll be an interesting thing to your point you know there's a real chess match there of saban knows sark's going to move guys around and it's frustrating for defenses to deal with and you you can just see uh, the chaos on defenses as they try to figure out handling all that um so I don't think Kool-Aid will stick with him all game, in part just because he's not the only great wide receiver that they're going to have to deal with. Um, but you do want him matched up with him as much as you can. And so it'll be interesting to see how they try to, you know, what they come out starting as, and then do they have to adjust? You know, Terran Arnold, I really like a lot as their other cornerback. I think he's underrated nationally, um, but he's a little smaller. And so I think that's going to be a challenge for him. And if he's getting matched up with Worthy a bunch, he's getting beat, they're going to have to shake things up. John, I, I see your book. You wrote uh, The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban, a uh, bestseller. Congratulations on that. Yeah, man. What is the number one leadership secret of Nick Saban? Got to buy the book, man. It can't, it, you know, <laughs> it's not a, a one-page book. You know, there's, there's numerous secrets, right? Uh, but, you know, the thing, I'll say this. I think that one of the things that impresses me the most about Nick Saban is how he's able to handle both success and failure, you know, and I think that that's, you know, there's a good story uh, that our 24 seven colleague, uh, Brandon Marcello wrote the other day about just looking at Clemson and just kind of what they're going through and looking at the decline of previous dynasties. And I think it's so hard once you've achieved any level of success to be able to dig down and really almost work harder because complacency, I think, sets in. And I mean, Chip, you know, the Mac Brown story better than anybody, but we've seen plenty of guys who found a way to win one, you know, Jimbo won one, Mac won one, you know, these coaches, Ed or- Orgeron won a title, right? But for Saban to win seven, I think is so impressive because he's able to dial it up every year and not be so stubborn or feel so much of what he knows to not be willing to change. And so he has evolved and changed numerous times at Alabama in ways that a guy like Dabo, I don't think has in a way that Jimbo, I don't think has in a way that I think Mac Brown, maybe he tried to change too much. I don't know, but <laughs> there's a couple who I feel like they have some level of success and, and they don't kind of evolve beyond that. And I think Saban's really evolved a lot from when he started uh, at Alabama in 2007 to, to where he is now in 2023. All right. Before we let you go, um, you know, what's your sense of how things play out tomorrow? I'm excited about it. And I think it's, I don't, I will pick Alabama to win this game, but that's almost more based on historical precedent than necessarily feeling great about it. I think it's just that Alabama plays much better at home. 
everybody is going to know the stats of not losing a non-conference home game since 2007 against Louisiana Monroe. I mean, there's all these history and all these different things. I think that that's in a very tight game. I think that's a little bit of an edge uh, for Alabama, but I think it's tight, man. I really do. I think it's, I think that Miller will do just enough to win, but it'll be a back and forth game. And I think that, it certainly would not surprise me in the least to see Texas win. And I think the, we go back to, I'll try to wrap this up here, but we go back to that Ole Miss game. I think when you can strike first on the road, it makes a huge difference. And so Ole Miss was able to do that and they put Alabama on their heels the whole rest of the game and they were chasing them and chasing them and chasing them. I think if Texas can strike early, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Jalen Milrow. And I think that's one of the paths to success. So if I'm Sark, I want the ball early. I want to get some points. I want to really start getting that crowd nervous, take him out of the game, make Jalen have to really beat you and make some big plays because he's still a mystery in that regard. I, I, we don't know enough about him to feel confident that he can win a game in a tough moment. So crank up the pressure. I'm trying to get him behind early. Yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, last thing. Have you seen the Goldman Sachs ad with uh, Bert Auburn and, and Reichert? Yeah, I like that the the, uh, the kicker's getting some good NIL money here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's apparently going to air during the game. So um, everyone needs wow. to keep an eye out for that one because our man Bert Auburn and his burnt orange hair is on full display. I mean, the, the headlines would write themselves if Auburn can beat Alabama. You know, I mean, that's just for people like us. Now, I'm not rooting for that, but it would make it very easy to come up with headlines and storylines if, if Burt Auburn has a good game against Alabama at Alabama tomorrow. Yeah. The walk-on who actually holds for Reichert in this commercial. <laughs> hey, but you'll take whatever NIL money you can get, you know, yeah, you do. for sure. Hey. I mean, it's good for them. Um, and Will Reichert, and I'll leave it on this, like Will Reichert has been such a weapon for Alabama. And I think for a long time, like the like flaw in the Alabama Death Star was special teams and it was kicking. I mean, they just had some shaky kickers for a long, long time. And so it's a little interesting that now their kicking game is as good as it's ever been. And they have all these question marks in other areas that they haven't had for most of Saban's time. But uh, I think like, I think Will Rackley will be an important person in this game, honestly, because I don't think they're going to light it up with touchdowns. John, great stuff, man. Really appreciate the time. Yeah. Good seeing you guys, and uh, Chip, see you uh, in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. Yeah, and everybody go buy the Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. Appreciate you, Zay. Good meeting you. Good meeting you too, John. Appreciate you, man. All right, there he is, John Talty, uh, breaking it down. Uh, good stuff with uh, with Michael Griffin, too, Say, Gringohorn says, you got to put your uh, three all-district plaques up there on the wall behind <laughs> Hey, I just have one all-district plaque, but, yeah, I'm going to have to find that somewhere. It's with the dust bunnies probably in the attic at mom's home. But, yeah, man, Mike trying to clown me and Harge texting me and stuff, talking about I need to do something with my head too. Harge, you ain't got no room to talk with your fedora-wearing self, with your hat-wearing self every day, hanging with hardball. You my guy and all, but you wear hats all the time for a reason. Try to clown me, man. My stuff tight. Y'all tripping. Y'all hating. The lady that sleeps next to me every night, she don't mind, and she's the only one that matters. Damn haters. That's why Marcus Griffin's my favorite Bowie Bulldog turn longhorn, and Mike's second. That damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, man. Shout out to John and uh, Mike, man. It's been a fun day already going into the second hour. Everybody's hyped up about this game, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have your big screen TV, baby, you better call AV Consultations at 255-8678 because, listen, all you do is make that phone call. And then uh, from the free consultation to installation, my man Tom McKay and his crew bring everything to you. You don't have to move a muscle. You just tell them what you want, where you want it, and away they go. Uh, and when they leave, it's unbelievable. Your your TV's perfectly on the wall. There are no wires. The surround sound, um, you know, that Sono surround sound. And, of course, if you want surveillance or electronic shades, AV consultations will take care of that for you. Um, they've done it in three of my houses uh, they've done it at your favorite restaurants in Austin. They're the best. So uh, just give them a call. 255-8678. Let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. Audiovisual consultations, avconsultations.com. Zay, um, you know, the the game is is one of those where you're you're looking at all the all the matchups. We talked about some of it with John. We talked about some of it with Griff. Um, the fact that they've got some um, some questions in their secondary. We know um, that Texas is going to have to make plays in the passing game with Quinn Ewers. Um, and in some ways, Quinn Ewers has to do more than Jalen Milrow because Milrow, Milrow can get it done with his legs and his arm. I don't expect Jalen Milrow to throw the ball more than 18, 19 times. Um, that's been his formula for success. And Quinn Ewers is probably going to throw it 30 plus times tomorrow. And that's, that's a lot on Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And Sark, they're going to have to establish some type of run game. That's why going back to the rice game, you're a little bit nervous if you're a Texas fan, because that old line, they just didn't look like a team that had all their starters coming back. I know DJ Campbell, this is his first year officially starting and thank goodness Cole Hudson will be available for this game on Saturday. But yeah, you know, Number five ain't here no more. Number two ain't here no more, which number two changed his NFL number from 30 to 23. So if you got that 30 Roshan jersey, that's tough on you. But those guys are gone. They're in the National Football League. And Sark, he should have relied on them more at times last year. We talk about it all the time from Texas Tech to Oklahoma State to TCU. All three games you lose, Bijan and Roshan should have got the ball way more. So the biggest question all year long is going to be, does he have confidence in CJ Baxter? Does he have confidence in Jonathan Brooks? Does he have confidence in Jaden blue? And does he have confidence in this offensive line, whichever running back that he throws in there can get the job done and continue to run it. Even if they stuff you like, of course the defensive lines, they're going to be all juiced up in the first and second quarter. But when you get a little fatigued and those legs start to go a little bit in the third and fourth, can you run the football and establish your will? then does Sark have the confidence and the patience to stick with that through his tenure at Texas so far those two years and one game haven't seen that you've seen Quinn Ewers throw the ball and just try to air it out and very bad incompletions on deep routes like you've seen that's what you've seen so again 
does Sark have the patience? Does he have the will to say, okay, we could beat them, you know, running the football and trust those running backs to get the job done? I don't know, but you're right, Chip. Quinn's going to have to make throws that we haven't seen him consistently make through his young tenure at Texas. Yeah, I think I think the defense has to make a big play early in this game and put some doubt in Jalen Milrow's mind. They either have to hit him, they got to turn him over, um, they got to, you know, collect some three and outs to start this game. They got to do something to help the offense because I don't, I haven't seen it yet from this offense that they can carry their weight yet, and and we saw. In the first half against Rice, it wasn't wasn't pretty. They were kicking a lot of field goals. Um, it wasn't, you know, but they weren't doing their stuff. They weren't running their motions. They weren't, you know, using the exotic personnel groupings that they have. And and so that obviously Sark's going to unload that stuff early. Um, there's no sense in saving it in that environment. You you need to throw first punches. You need to get them on their heels. And so. Um, the offense has to has to get into a rhythm early and the defense, I think, has to help them because um, I've been in that atmosphere. I've been in Bryant Denny. I was there for an Iron Bowl uh, with my man, Sean Adams in 2016, and it's deafening. It's it's impressive. And Alabama controlled that game from start to finish. And that crowd is relentless. They play great music in that stadium it's a party it's loud you can't hear yourself um if you let that environment persist it just makes your job that much harder and if you're not having success it starts to feel like a tidal wave uh coming over you so um this is you know the the good news for texas is they've got dudes on defense who've been in the Texas OU game, a bunch, they know what that environment's like. They're going to have to answer. I can't wait to see Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy tomorrow because I think this is a grown man's game, and those are two grown men who are ready to flex, and let's see how much damage they can do. I mean, what, Tavondre Sweat played 28 snaps of 51 against Rice. He had um, – you know, three quarterback pressures, two quarterback hits. Um, he was in the backfield constantly. Um, and, and you know, Ethan Burke and Alfred Collins had a batted pass against Rice. So let's see, let's see who we're talking about tomorrow night as, wow, what a game from him. And, and I think, uh, I mean, if you had to, to think, or if you're thinking right now, um, what's the first name that pops into your mind on defense? About for the Horns or for Alabama? For Texas, who we'll be talking about tomorrow night? Uh, T. Sweat, Travondre Sweat, definitely. I mean, we talked about it, you know, with his presser. The guy said that he had a C game. Those 28 snaps, he called himself a C, which he was the highlight of that game. Like, he's the reason why Austin Jordan got that interception due to his pressure on JT Daniels. And, yeah, you're going to have to knock Jalen Milrow down. And shout-out to Jalen Milrow against Middle Tennessee, which – 
I always have to say it's Middle Tennessee, but he got hit a few times, and that long pass to Isaiah Bond for the touchdown, that was a thing of beauty. He took a pretty good shot, and he flexed on the boys on the ground after he hit that shot. I mean, the dude's an absolute monster. I'm sure he doesn't feel hits like other quarterbacks do. But, yeah, you got to get him on the ground, and you can't miss when you get the opportunity to take him on the ground because he's so quick and elusive and just strong you know and if he's gonna dare you or if he's gonna yeah dare the defense to just straight up I'm a quarterback but I want to lower my shoulder and stuff we just had John on talking about Isaiah Bond who definitely sent a message to Middle Tennessee when he lowered his shoulder and trucked the dude early in the game that kind of set the tone for them absolutely but quarterbacks do that sometimes I see Josh Allen for the Bills do it all the time like yeah lowering your shoulder it's cooling on your offense and your whole sideline gets hype and the stadium gets hype but man if he's going to do that tomorrow hopefully these linebackers Dave Benda Anthony Hill Jalen Ford these secondary players they're ready to hit and it'll be difficult to play man to man because they'll be following their man so they might get lost once Jalen Milrow starts to run we'll see how Pete Kwiatkowski plays this team but you know Tommy Reese loves 12 personnel he's gonna have two tight ends out there a lot and you know they want to run the football so you've got to stop the run and force Jalen Milrow to throw that thing yeah, it's interesting. You know, you talk about motivation going into a game like this. Every guy's motivated differently. Some guys just need the just the whiff of a game. Some guys are going to take it a little more personal than that. And you've got some interesting Texas players for Alabama. You know, whether it's Jace McClellan or or Jalen Milrow from Katy. Um you know, Jalen Milrow was committed to Texas. He's got family there. So was Jam Miller, right? The running back? Or oh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The backup um, running back. Yeah. Yeah, he's from he's from Texas as well. And uh Tyler, I think. Um and and those guys want to get they want to get over in this game because they left, they left Texas. They want to be able to say, I made the right decision. And I want to see if Jalen Milrow's a killer. Cause if he is, it's going to be a tough game for Texas. Um, and you know, can you, can you rattle him? Can you get him? Can you put enough pressure on him to where he feels the stadium shrinking and kind of closing in on him, which can happen. We, I think we saw it with um, uh, TCU's quarterback, Chandler Morris last week, every time he got in the red zone, you know, and, and, you know, he got tight and that's, that's what I'm really interested to see. And obviously I want to see Quinn Ewers on this stage, hopefully for four quarters. I mean, um, I want to see if he's a killer because We've seen flashes. We've seen, we've seen flashes, and um, he got a lot of help last year from Bijan and Roshan, and rightfully so. Play complimentary football. You don't, you don't want to be one dimensional in this game. And there's a chance they're going to have to throw to set up the run. I mean, I'm just going to say it right now. They're absolutely going to have to throw to set up the run, and that's, um, I, you know, I think Sarkeesian's fine with that, but. That means Quinn's got to get into a rhythm and um, 
and those kids from Texas on the Alabama side, man, they're, they can't wait for this game. Yeah, and it's not necessarily, you know, Xavier Worthy or Adani Mitchell that has to eat, but J- JT Sanders, man, him and Jordan Whittington, Jordan Whittington in the slot going through the middle of the field. Like Caleb Downs, I get it. He's all world and supposed to be the next coming of Sean Taylor, but he's still a freshman. So Nick Saban, this dude's defensive schemes they could be a little much for that age and john we had him on just now talking about Mika fitzpatrick who's one of my favorite safeties in the national football league like him for pittsburgh he might be the best safety in the league along with hufunga at san francisco or you know my man that's down there um in Arizona, there's a ton of safeties, but still, if he's getting yeah, Buddha Baker. yeah, Buddha Baker, yeah, if he's getting those type of comparisons, like wow, but he's a freshman. Key, how healthy are you? Like he had a pick and gets middle to the C State, but how healthy are you gonna be coming into this game? And then those linebackers too, like can they stick with JT Sanders and you know match up with him? Are you gonna get those one-on-ones, which like you said, it's gonna open up the run game, but also getting the ball to JT Sanders and Jordan Winnington, it's gonna open up for Xavier Wordy and Adonai Mitchell to go crazy on the outside because Kool-Aid McKentry and Arnold, those guys are gonna wanna come in to see where the action's at. So keeping that defense on their toes you know it's obviously that's very important but man they gotta find some way to run the football at some point of the game they just can't rely on the pass man because i don't i don't trust quinn if you just rely on the pass then he throws over 40 something times a game like i really don't and you know the quick hitter stuff maybe that's all right but you know sark's gonna throw that ball down the field and quinn's gonna have to be patient to say okay that ain't open who else is quinn hasn't done a good job at that consistently he does that then you know the horns they should be in a good position yeah like i i'm i'm not trying to pick scabs or or stir it up here but I think back to Major Applewhite as a redshirt freshman. From the moment he got on the field, he made the right decision. Like, you never felt like, man, I don't trust him. You always felt like he was going to make the right decision. What If that downfield pass wasn't open, he hit the check down and took his four or five yards. And he, he just – he didn't have an all-world arm. He didn't have Quinn Ewer's arm, but he knew – he could read defense – and he could put the ball where he knew he had to put it, um, you know, and that's, that's what I'm waiting for with Quinn. And uh, he's done it. Like I said, that first half against K-State, the whole game against OU, um, he's, he's feathered the ball where he's had to put it. Um, but I don't know that we've seen it enough. And, and so on a stage like this, in a coliseum like Bryant-Denny, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. Zay, before uh, I get to the chip shot, kind of talking about the full circle nature of, of this meeting tomorrow in Tuscaloosa, why don't you tell everyone about the fine folks at Covert? 
That's right, Covert B Cave. Shout out to everybody who came out today for the meet and greet with Mike Griffin, even though he is a bona fide hater of your boy. It was great to have Mike on and great to have Mike out there with Trey and BK and the rest of the Texas Sports Unfiltered crew. Me and BK will be out there tomorrow for the pregame at the beautiful place on B Caves with the beautiful hill 42 acres state-of-the-art just audio dealership with seven big-time brands from buick gmc cadillac dodge chrysler jeep and ram covert will hook you up and we are part of the family so they definitely have hooked us up with a beautiful room to do these shows in and yeah dan and the crew they're just great people so visit covertbcave.com for all the latest deals that inventory and stop by to see them shout out to all the coverts all over the greater austin area and shout out to covert bk and covert auto group yeah um i'll tell you what zay um it it it's probably not a story that texas fans love to to remember um but this meeting in um in the uh, national championship game um, between Alabama and Texas, that 09 season, um, you know, Mac Brown was absolutely convinced Texas was going to win that game. And there were people close to Mac who said, if he wins that game and wins his second national championship, he'll, he'll ride off into the sunset um, because he'd have one more national championship than his nemesis, Bob Stoops and Steve Spurrier. And one less than Daryl Royal, and and that would be fine with Mac, and maybe he would take over for DeLos Dodds as athletic director and be the the king of the Forty Acres until um, he went ashes to ashes, and and then you know they get into the game, and Nick Saban tries a fake punt on fourth and twenty three from Alabama's own twenty, and two minutes into the game. And Blake Gideon picks it off. Texas has first down at the Alabama 37. And, you know, Colt hits Shipley for five. He hits Malcolm Williams for four. Trey Newton runs for 16. And they got first down at the Alabama 11. And they run an option play to the left. And Colt tries to cut up field and takes a helmet from Marcel Darius right into the axillary nerve of his upper right arm. And he's fine, except for the fact that he can't feel his right arm. It's numb. And he comes off the field. This is at the 1054 mark of the first quarter. And, and Garrett Gilbert comes in after he couldn't find his helmet to, to come into the game. Never a good sign. Never a good sign. And they weren't able to punch it in. They kicked a field goal. Um, and then they got the ball back and they got into the red zone again. Probably should have been 14 nothing, uh, But they kick another field goal. They're up six zip. Uh, and then the wheels start to come off. And Marcel Darius uh, ends the first half with that incredible uh, interception of Garrett Gilbert. Pick six. Alabama's up 24 to six at halftime. Um, Texas people forget Texas whittled their way back into that game. They were down 
24-21 with three minutes and 14 seconds left in the game. They had the ball at their own seven. Um, they picked up a first down. And then Eric Anders, who would make his name as a UFC fighter, uh, <laughs> you know, just came in uh, unbelievable strip sack of, of Garrett Gilbert. The ball rolls back to the Texas three-yard line and um, Mark Ingram punches it in. Uh, and then they intercept Garrett Gilbert twice in the final 155 and, and win the game 37-21. And Mac Brown literally went out of body at that point. Um, he, he just kind of couldn't get over it. And I'll never forget Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com. After the press conference, Mac's getting down, coming off the dais and, and – um, and Dennis Dodd said, well, Mac, we'll never know, referring to if Texas would have won, if Colt hadn't gotten hurt. And Mac looked at him with a death stare and said, it wouldn't have been close and walked off. And and then, um, you know, one of the coaches who ultimately got fired from Mac's staff told me a year after that, that they're all on the bus leaving the Rose Bowl. Coaches are all sitting in the first four rows of the first bus and Mac is firing off text messages, just ripping, you know, the, the coaches and saying, you know, we'll never be in that position again without having a running game to fall back on. He's, you know, letting Greg Davis have it. And, and he changes the offense, changes it. Says we're going to go to a power running game. Right as Garrett Gilbert's coming in, one of the, the best spread passing quarterbacks in the nation. He, Garrett Gilbert's the reason they they passed on Andrew Luck in the 08 recruiting cycle. Didn't even, you know, Oliver Luck told me Andrew couldn't even get a meaningful conversation um, at the junior day that he went to. And Andrew only wanted to go to three schools, Notre Dame, Texas, or Stanford. Like Alabama was breaking down the door trying to get Andrew Luck to to look at them and he's like, Nope, I'm going to Notre Dame, Texas or Stanford. And of course, Jim Harbaugh's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 Uh, but you know, that, that failed and, and it led to a five and seven season and Mac openly was complaining. I don't know how my players and assistant coaches aren't ready after they lost to, uh, to Paul Rhodes and Iowa state with a, young Tom Herman calling the plays. Um, and you know, it, uh, it just went downhill from there. And of course by 2013, after five and seven, eight and four, nine and five, um, Tom Hicks reached out to Jimmy Sexton, Nick Saban's agent in January of 2013 with, Wallace Hall, an active regent at Texas, um, on, you know, sitting next to him on the, on the speakerphone and felt like there was interest. And Tom Hicks went to Mac Brown and said, Hey Mac, how you feeling about things? You still want to keep coaching? And Mac's like, why are you asking me this? And Tom Hicks said, cause I think, Nick Saban would be interested in coming here. And I don't, I, I know Tom Hicks was trying to be transparent and upfront with Mac. Um, 
but that's like telling, you know, Ali that Frazier is going to take over as heavyweight champ or telling Frazier, Hey, you know, George Foreman's going to take over as heavyweight champ. And that just was, that just got under max skin. Now they started off that season. If you'll remember one and two, they went to, they went to BYU and Tatum Hill ran all over him. Manny Diaz got fired the next day. And the next week they lost to Ole Miss at home. They're one and two. And I'll never forget the post-game press conference after that Ole Miss game, Max said, we got to win out. And no one believed it. But um, what people didn't know, and Mac denies this, but I believe the source who told me this because it was a high-ranking university source, it, it was basically a, a verbal agreement that Mac had to win 10 games uh, or a share of the Big 12 title, or go to a BCS bowl game to keep his job um, at the end of the 2013 season. And oh, they, they did them like Denzel. Remember the Titans? Yeah. Yeah. Man. So Mac knew. Mac knew when he said, we got to win out. Mac knew what was going on there. And and then, lo and behold, they're, they're going up against number 12 OU. OU's coming to be the pallbearers and and Mac Brown's coaching funeral and they Texas rises up with one of their best performances in that series of the Mac Brown era. They were the way more physical team. They, you know, Jonathan Gray and Malcolm Brown ran for 250 yards. Texas wins 36, 20. And that fuels a six game winning streak. And suddenly Max feeling good. He's seven and two. He goes on Tim Brando's show and is like, Nick Saban's not trying to get my job. Nick's my friend. And <laughs> he's he's doubling down. And they're playing Baylor in the final game of the regular season for a chance to win a share of the Big 12 title. And I remember talking to my high-ranking university source who said, if Mac wins this game, he's staying. And it was tied 3-3 at halftime. I'll never forget it was the coldest game I've covered um, in, in the state of Texas. It was basically an ice storm. And uh, Baylor deferred. So they took the ball in the second half. And Mac gave them the wind in the third quarter instead of making them play into the wind. And, and you know... Instead, Mac gave Baylor the win and then decided Texas will have the win in the fourth quarter. Well, that by then it was too late. It went from 3 3 to 20 to 3 Baylor, and Baylor ended up winning 30 to 10. And that was that was it. And I, I remember it was an eerie post game because you could see Mac was just seething. And um, I write about this in, in my story today at horns247.com according to multiple sources mac and um, steve patterson the athletic director uh, were flying to new york the day after the baylor game and patterson was supposed to uh, talk to mac about transitioning out of coaching into an emeritus role in the athletic department and 
by the time they landed in New York, Mac had convinced Patterson he was still the right guy. And that if they hired Nick Saban, Patterson wouldn't be the athletic director anymore. Nick Saban would. And, and so they came up with a, a scheme, a, a plan to kind of foil the attempt by a group of obviously very powerful donors, including Tom Hicks, who wanted to try to bring in Nick Saban. And the plan involved Mac going to Florida from New York because he's supposed to go back to Austin to meet with powers and say, Bill powers was the president of the university and say, okay, I'm ready to leave coaching. Give me an emeritus role. Give me a severance package. But instead Mac went to Florida to recruit. He went to see Dalvin cook and try and convince Dalvin not to go to Florida state, which everyone thought was hilarious because there was no way Dalvin cook wasn't going to Florida state. But um, I was told by a high ranking university official yeah, Mac will be stepping down by the end of the week. So I reported that on Tuesday of that week. Well, Mac immediately responded by saying, if I'm stepping down, why am I out here recruiting my butt off? And I was like, oh, here we go. And, uh, <laughs> and so the Thursday of that week, Bill Powers was fighting for his job because Governor Perry was at odds with powers over higher education. Perry kept putting a, appointments on the UT Regents board who were fighting against powers and powers had to fight through a five and a half hour vote of confidence meeting. He survived. He got the vote of confidence on Thursday. Friday's the football banquet, the, the game of Thrones red football banquet. Before that was the meeting with Mac and Bill Powers. If you'll remember, Mac had Joe Jamail as his agent. Joe Jamail, one of the best trial attorneys in the history of the state, won the Pennzoil case. Uh, it was a $2 billion settlement. Uh, it made Jamail an instant millionaire as a young lawyer. Um, he, I'm told... Joe Jamel, Steve Patterson, Mac Brown, and Sally Brown, who went to Cal. Miss Sally, she's the hero of the Mac Brown coaching career. Uh, and Bill Powers loved Sally. So they go in for the meeting. Jamel says, uh, well, Bill, uh, if you have a fire Mac and you hire Nick Saban, I'm going to file a tortious interference lawsuit against the UT regents. Uh, but that's all I got. Y'all go ahead with your meeting. And, <laughs> and Bill Powers, apparently who RIP Bill Powers. Yeah. I, right here. Uh, he passed away um, a, a couple years ago. Uh, Powers said, well, Mac, I thought you wanted to, you know, uh, get out of coaching. And Mac's like, no, no I'm good. Steve, what do you think? Steve's like, yeah, I'm good with Mac staying on his coach. And so they leave that meeting with no resolution. They go to the football banquet and Steve Patterson. Meanwhile, Nick Saban's had a contract extension for months that he has not signed. Because I was told there was 25 million in off the books money for Saban. 
and a $7 million salary. And Saban's a fixer. He likes to, he likes to fix, build, move on, fix, build, move on. And he was intrigued by the idea of being the only coach ever to win national championships at three different schools. All the stuff about Saban's interest was real, but Saban said, I'm not coming there unless Mac is on board. I want a smooth transition. I don't want chaos. And he got chaos because um, that, that banquet, once Steve Patterson said, I'm looking forward to many more years with Mac Brown. That's when Saban signed his extension to Alabama it was leaked to Kirk Herbstreet right in the middle of the Texas football banquet to the point where there were murmurs, loud murmurs from table to table. Once the news hit that Saban had signed his extension at Alabama. And the next morning there were 17 kids who were on their official visit uh, to Texas in that 2014 recruiting class, including John Bonney, who later talked about it. It was crazy because at breakfast, Steve Patterson announces that Mac Brown's going to be the head coach. And, and so they all go off and do their thing, um, go to practice, everything. Well, the big money guys who had wanted to talk to Saban were like, no, that was not the deal. We had a verbal agreement. Mac didn't hit it. If he isn't fired, we're pulling all of our money out of the university, including the millions in our will. And Bill Powers calls Patterson and says, okay, you're going to have to fire Mac. And Patterson's like, say what? <laughs> and he did. Uh, I'm told Mac called Bill Powers a hundred times that day and Powers didn't pick up. Um, and at dinner for those 17 official visitors that night, they were told by Steve Patterson, Mac Brown will not be your coach. Mac was there. And Mac said, if you're coming for me, you might want to take visits to other schools and reconsider. That didn't sit well with anybody. Um, and, and so Mac steps down, but the damage was done. There was no chance to, you know, go meet with Saban. Um, the big money guys who didn't get Saban wanted Jimbo Fisher after that. Yeah. Uh, but Steve Patterson wasn't taking anyone's calls to the point where Red McComb said, I want John Gruden. Like, yikes. And, yeah. And I think that would have been a disaster. And of course, Steve Patterson uh, offered the job to Jim Mora, who had just kind of settled in at UCLA. His wife was happy there. Mora turned it down. Yeah. Um, and, and then, um, Patterson interviewed James Franklin, but opted to go with Charlie strong because Charlie strong was the, uh, was the recommendation of Jed Hughes, who was the headhunter for corn Ferry, who Texas was using, uh, to help them in their coaching search. And yeah, Chris, Chris Bennett remembers the night Friday, the 13th, um, because like I was right in the middle of it because I had written the story that Tuesday. Um, Twitter was lighting your ass up. Weren't oh, yeah. That Mac would be stepping <laughs> down. 
And when it looked like Mac was staying, I'll never forget Jay Moore, the comedian who was doing a sports talk show at that time, like direct, you know, tweeted at me, well, Chip, we're waiting. And that just brought all this hate on to me. Like I got death threats that night. Um, it, it, It was, it was insane. And I'm like, I never said, all I said was Mac would be stepping down by the end of the week. We're not at the end of the week. And I, that's all I said. I, I said, I never said Saban was coming um, because I didn't think Steve Patterson would be able to convince Nick Saban to come. Steve Patterson couldn't convince a hungry dog to go into a meat locker full of raw meat. Um, he was that ineffective. I mean, the only reason Texas hired Steve Patterson was to fire Mac Brown. It's like, this is the dumbest thing. You had Oliver Luck, who's the way better candidate, but um, yeah. And then it just collapsed from there. And that's why tomorrow's game, um, you know, because you had, you had Patterson hiring Charlie strong, who clearly um, the job, it was too big for him. Plus Charlie didn't get supported it, it by Patterson or anyone else. Three straight. Right. Right. So he gets fired. And then Mike Perrin was the interim athletic director because Steve Patterson got fired 22 months into a seven year deal and Perrin hired Herman. And there were questions about Herman and Mike Perrin from Houston, all his Houston buddies had seen Herman doing well at the university of Houston. They're like, you got to hire Herman. He was a grad coach under Mac Brown. Um, and so there was 13 years of chaos in, in the leadership at Texas. And, um, and so, you know, when you look back, everyone wants to know why, where's Texas been? Well, that's where Texas has been. That's why if your leadership is not aligned from the top down, then it's, it's hard for any coach to have success and, um, I mean, that this happened with DKR, too. When DKR, like, out of nowhere, decided to retire after the 1976 season, he wanted Mike Campbell, his defensive coordinator, to be the head coach. And the Regents board, which included former Texas Governor Alan Shivers and Frank Irwin, said, no, we'll take it from here. Thanks a lot, Daryl. And they hired Fred Akers and told Fred Akers to park in Daryl's parking spot. Damn, that's cold. And it was not the parking spot. Like that's how you know it's real. Oh yeah, and it was especially in Austin. Austin parking. Oh, blooded. Ask Xavier Worthy about that parking. Yeah, man. You know, you got boots on your car. You're trying to trying to bust those boots off. But it was, yeah, it, it was that's what sent Texas off into the college football wilderness. And now Texas is aligned. They've got good leadership. Jay Hartzell, Kevin Altype, the region's chair, Chris Del Conte, athletic director. Sarkeesian has been building it the right way. And here we are. Texas getting ready to go to the SEC. They're in Tuscaloosa facing Nick Saban. But now you add in the fact that Sarkeesian helped Saban win his sixth national championship at Alabama, his seventh national championship overall. And now he's at Texas 
And this is all going to come together tomorrow at six o'clock in Bryant Denny stadium. And we will, uh, we'll see how far Texas has come. Could this be a circle of life moment where maybe Texas is on the ascent and maybe they get over on Alabama. We'll see, but it's been, um, it's been a long, hard 13 years. Yeah, man. uh, January 7th, 2010. Yeah, that's a terrific chip shot, man. You threw out a lot of game just now. And, yeah, there might have been some PTSD for a lot of our listeners and stuff, including the people who have hit us up on our new TSU specs line, 512-222-9328. Hit us up there. I'll get to your questions in a bit. But, yeah, Chip, you're right. There's just so many different weird connections in this game from Sark playing against his mentor and Nick Saban due to what you just talked about when the horns were flirting with Nick Saban to come to the 40 acres and how that ended for Mac and stuff. And yeah, like a lot has happened since then. And there's been just a lot of just defeat for Texas fans since that 09 national championship game where Colt McCoy got knocked out. And I mean, can it turn for the better? Can this be the game like in 09, the national championship, but for the better to where Texas is finally a la Sam Ellinger back? And I, I hope so. I hope it makes our job a lot more fun. It makes the city a lot more fun. It makes college football more fun when Texas is good and playing for national championships and making noise. I mean, the brand is just absolutely bonkers. So is Sark the guy to do it? Can he do what Charlie Strong and Tom Herman could not? Because say what you want about Tom Herman, he ain't lose a bowl game. He just, for Texas expectations, he didn't get it done. So I think with this, yeah, and his thing, issues were off the field. Yeah, his issues flicking off the camera and headbutton folks, and you know, screwing guys on meals and stuff. Just absolutely classless in that sense. But yeah, can Sark finally do it with this coaching staff, with all the recruiting guys you brought in, with all the transfer guys you brought in in year three? They understand how you operate. They understand how you get down. They get the moment. You finally got the guys that you wanted. Now can you put it all together and be the high-quality team in the Alabama Crimson Tide? I think they can. We just got to see it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um Well, before we get to the right call, baby, the right call with Zay Collier, um, let me uh, let me tell you about my. Oh, yeah. The right call. (laughs) Let me tell you about Dr. Greg Eckert and Brain Vault. I mean, Dr. Eckert, um, Eckert Dentistry has been providing patients with the best dental care you can possibly find in Austin. Uh, General dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, advanced dentistry, sports dentistry. uh, They can do it all. And they want to give you the smile that's worth smiling about. All you got to do is give them a call at 512-345-3166 or check them out at DrEckert.com. And it's Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com. Dr. Eckert is your Austin dentist. And Dr. U is doing some awesome work with Brain Vault revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. So if you're associated with 
an Austin area football team, a, a youth coach, a parent, grandparent, and you want to make sure your players are safe, as safe as possible, uh, check out brainvault.com and schedule a fitting. Uh, so my, uh, my esteemed cohort, Zay Collier, his commentary is called the right call. Right. Yeah, man. yeah, let's get it. NFL starts Sunday. Well, it started yesterday, but the full week schedule is basically on Sunday. And the two Texas teams, they got some pretty big games. The Texans go out to Baltimore and the Cowboys got the Giants. And we had Houston legendary uh, analyst and John McClain say the his eyes, the Baltimore Ravens are the team that's going to win the Super Bowl, which, um, yo, John, I feel you, but, man, that will be crazy if Hardball could do it with Lamar Jackson being there and getting paid and stuff. But the Texans, we're going to get to see C.J. Stroud. We're going to get to see Will Anderson. Are they better than they were last year? How long will it take C.J. Stroud to get going or if he is even going to get going in his rookie season? We know how hard it is coming from college football to the NFL. NFL, doesn't matter who you are. How do you like the Texans in this one, Chip? You know, the uh, the Texans, to me, are fascinating. Um, this is a year where you just want to see the roots starting to grab hold in the ground. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans love this guy's energy, love – Love what he brings because it seemed like for a minute, the Texans ownership group, the McNair family, it was like shoot ready aim. You, you didn't know who was running things. You didn't know what they were looking at in their coaching hires like Lovey Smith. Great coach uh, took his team to a Super Bowl um, in Chicago, um, but had sort of been out of the, circulation in the NFL for a minute. Um, and then, you know, it just seemed like what, what are the Texans doing here? Well, I think they got it right with D'Amico Ryans. I love what they did in this draft with CJ Stroud, Will Anderson. And, and now you want to see them get traction. It may not, may not get them, you know, all the way. It's kind of like my lions, with Dan Campbell, like it, it was ugly and choppy, but you saw signs it was coming. That's what I want to see with the Texans this season. And um, listen, I love Damian Pierce. Like love him. I mean, he is, he is an angry runner and, he is fun to watch, and thank God I took him in my rookie dynasty draft a year ago. Is <laughs> that that is paying nice uh, dividends? So, I you know I like the Texans, and I want to see them. I want to see them, you know, get traction this year and start to look like a team on the rise. Zay, that's that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, they got absolutely screwed with the Deshaun Watson situation. I mean, you think you have your quarterback for the next 15 years, and that dude just has them whole massage crap that went on, just absolutely bogus. So, yeah, they definitely had to go There was back a lot going regroup. on there. The attorney, yeah. Tony Busby, the attorney in that case, who rounded up all those women, hates the McNair family. 
Right. And yeah. I'm not saying that nothing happened, but I'm also not saying that those women were running, looking for a lawyer. He went looking, he heard about it. He went and rounded up those women. So, and anyway, I'm not going to, yeah. no, no, gonna take- no, that's a good point. Like <laughs> that just kind of goes to the Texans and what they've had to deal with, with everything. Like, you know, JJ Watt's been gone for a while. Never had a defender like that since. And this defense, they could be really good. I mean, Derek Stingley, Last year, I know they're kind of hurt that they didn't get a Tyreek Woodland or a Sauce Gardner in that draft, but Stingley, he still has a lot of upside, and if he could stay on that field, then maybe he could show us, you know, why he was selected number three in 2022 coming out of LSU. Jalen Petrie, we talked about him on this show. That guy coming out of Baylor, he's already one of the top safeties in the league, just a hard-nosed, tough, old-school type safety, and then Will Anderson. Can he do what, you know, maybe J.J. Watt did? Because him being so highly touted coming out of Alabama, we saw him last year at DKR. Like, that guy is a game changer. So defense, I think that's what they're going to have to hang their hat on. Offense, I love Damian Pierce, too. I think John Mechie coming back, I think that's going to be huge for him. They also got Robert Woods, you know, Nathaniel Dell is aight. So they got a couple of good guys. Dalton Schultz, we'll see what he could do. We know him and Dak were solid there for Dallas, so I think that's definitely going to help C.J. Stroud, but you always hear about these Ohio State quarterbacks, which Justin Fields, he's kind of changing the narrative, but once they get to the National Football League, they just never pans out. I don't know what it is. Some As big of a blue blood as Ohio State is, to have all of those quarterbacks go to the National Football League and not make it, it's very weird. But, you know, C.J. Stroud, can he beat that? And, you know, all the weird talk that you heard going into the draft, like who are they going to select? Anthony Richardson, Levis. We knew the Carolina Panthers most likely were going to take take Bryce Young, but they were definitely for sure that they were going to get C.J. Stroud and they believe in him. So, you know, they compare him to Dak. I don't know if it's just because they're light-skinned or something. I don't know what that means, Chip. I, whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know why they do that. Like, if he could throw, he could throw. And I think C.J. Stroud is a solid quarterback. Hey, he really showed us something last year in the college football playoff with what he did against that super-duper Georgia defense. So, I think he has it in him, but at the end of the day, it's an NFL. You need weapons around you as a quarterback. And am I picking the Texans to win the AFC South? Probably not. It's probably the Jags to lose. And then, you know, the Titans are going to be fighting a little bit too. But, yeah, I think they're doing the right things. And you're right. They finally are – everybody's gotten on board in that front office, Bill O'Brien, that whole situation. They gave him way too many responsibilities when he was there. And so, yeah, I I like the Texans, but maybe not this year. Can I see them winning six games? That's probably the most for me, but I think Texans fans, even though they probably won't make the playoffs, I think they'll be pleased to see, okay, we got a lot of young guys who are on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you want to see. And you just hope that the offensive coaching for the Texans is in line with how, you know, that they're, you know, that they can grow CJ Stroud because so much of it is, 
the coaching and the ability of those coaches to you have to face teams twice and your division and you've got to constantly keep coming up with new wrinkles. It is a much harder job. Um, anyone who's watched quarterback, the Netflix documentary knows how much these guys have to digest once they get the game plan uh, on, on Monday, really, you know, the Tuesday's the day off for NFL players, but come Wednesday, the quarterbacks have to have everything down. They have to have every call, everything, um, you know, completely like versed and memorized and digested, know exactly what they're trying to achieve concept wise. It it's a lot. And if you have really good coaching, it helps a young quarterback to, you know, sort of accelerate through that process. If you don't, if you have a coach who doesn't know what he's doing and he's maybe letting that nervous energy trickle over to the quarterback, uh, it can doom the quarterback. If the quarterback's having to succeed in spite of the coaching, um, which we see that's happened a lot too, but you know, it's a, you just have to have so much kind of working in, in the right direction for, you know, the young quarterbacks these days and makes you appreciate guys like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. And, um, you know, I just never forget went to see Joe Burrow, uh, in 2018 against Mississippi state in Baton Rouge, ho-hum game, nothing. His, his season that year was a lot like Sam Ellinger's, you know, junior year It was kind of, it was nice, but it wasn't anything you'd go. Wow. And then, you know, they brought in Joe Brady and Joe Burrow sets all the records and, and it helped to have Jamar Chase and, and, uh, Justin you know, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson and, you know, Moss and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but that the coaching, you know, Joe Brady came in, it all made sense to Joe Burrow and boom, they, they dominated college football that year. Although Texas had them. Texas had a chance, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and D'Amico Ryans, he brought over Bobby Slowick from San Francisco, who was there for six years and dealt with the whole Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo situation. So, yeah, I think he could get it done. I think he, you know, him and Shanahan, they had good chemistry over in San Fran. If they could implement that to what the Texans are going to do, then, hey, we'll see. You're right, man. Me being a coach's son, trust me, I know about some coaching. Like, you got to have it. You got to have the best players in the world and if you don't have that guy that's on the same page as the best player then you could look very mediocre very fast so hey you know chip we talked about last night with the lions chiefs game yeah they didn't have chris jones yeah they didn't have travis kelsey but offensive coordinator eric Bieniemy, where's he at now washington so that's the first game that Patrick Mahomes has ever played without him. And again, Patrick Mahomes, nothing was his fault last night. He was still putting it in the breadbasket, putting it on the money right between the numbers. But those guys were having drops. So, again, as the season continues, will that affect those guys? I talk about it with the Eagles, them losing Shane Steichen to the Indianapolis Colts, them losing uh, Jonathan Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals, both offense and defensive coordinators in 2022, the year they went to the Super Bowl. Is that going to affect them? 
I don't know. But yeah, with so much change in college and the NFL, like coaching matters. And again, if you don't have that right philosophy that matches the players that you have, then you could easily get got. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Texas uh, uh, Sports Unfiltered channel. We have so much in store for you all. Um, we're just getting started. We're growing um, daily, and we've we've got all of these great sponsors here that you see on your your screen. Um, you know, from All Staff Beer, Top Gun, Reynolds, and and Lawn Equipment. Um, you know, Ollie Pop and Last Stand Hats, and um, you know, Relax the Back, Seven Eleven, Centex Tickets, uh, Woods. Um, you know, taking care of you on the air conditioning front. And so, as we like to say, tell your friends and enemies. All right, Zay, it is time for us to get into our predictions for tomorrow at six o'clock. Keys to the game. Give me your thoughts, my friend. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be closer than what people think. I think both defenses, they're going to be able to control the game and which offense makes the more plays is going to be able to win it because both offenses, they have question marks surrounded around them. You've got Jalen Milrow on the Alabama side, hasn't had many starts. They're still trying to figure out, you know, where he's at with Tommy Reese's system. He was on or on the starting depth chart against Middle Tennessee, along with Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner. So he's still on a short leash and how will he be affected in his first, you know, real big, big game, at, um, Brian Downey. And then Quinn Ewers on the other side still, you know, we've seen kind of every aspect of Quinn Ewers thus far. We've seen the good one where he was just, you know, on the money, 49-0 against Oklahoma, throwing over 300 yards against Washington in the Alamo Bowl. And then we've seen Quinn Ewers really struggle. So it's, you know, we just talked about coaching. A lot's on Steve Sarkeesian and the coaching staff to put them in the right situations to be successful and taking what this Nick Saban defense gives you and applying that running game and trying to stick with it, even if they might stop you a couple of times. So my final prediction in this game, it's kind of going to kind of be like what we saw last year, the 2019 one. I don't expect either team getting over 25. Whichever team gets over 25, dub. It's a dub for them. So I'm going to go 24-21. Sorry, Texas fans. Crimson tie. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's that's you're right on the money with kind of where I'm coming from. Um, I look at this game. I think that, like I've said all week, I think the Texas defense keeps uh, Texas in this game no matter what. Um, and And they might even need to come up with a big play early to – to shake up Jalen Milrow and put some doubt in his mind. If, if it's a pick six or a strip sack or something to just slow him down and, uh, you know, put him on a track to, to, to struggle. Even if it's just for a little while, um, that might be the traction that Texas needs to get a lead, whether it's three, nothing, 10, nothing. Um, and that, could get them through the first half. 
I, I fully expect if Texas is leading at halftime for Alabama to answer. And then we're in a, as Nick Saban said last night on his coaches. So we're in a street fight and, and I think it could come down to another last minute field goal. It would be with this commercial running with Bert Auburn and Will Reichert, the kickers, this Goldman Sachs commercial running in the, uh, during the game, keep an eye out for it. Uh, how, how ironic would it be if, if it's Bert Auburn who, who delivers the game winning kick this year after Will Reichert delivered the game winning kick after Bert Auburn's incredible 49 yard kick uh, it, with 129 left to give Texas a, a nineteen seventeen lead only for Reichert to, you know, uh, kick the game winner after Bryce Young's heroics down the field. If, you know, and like I said, Barry Switzer always told me in games like this, the team with the best quarterback wins, <laughs> that should be Quinn Ewers, but we don't know. And, and Jalen Milrow, we don't know if he's a killer or not. And if he shows up and it turns out he's a killer, then it could be a real tough day for Texas uh, tomorrow night. I think it is going to come down to the end. Um, I, I'm going to give Texas the benefit of the doubt, the Texas defense, the benefit of the doubt, AD Mitchell's my X factor. And I think with the attention that Xavier Worthy's going to command the attention, JT Sanders uh, is probably going to command AD Mitchell's probably going to be in single coverage and Quinn Ewers has to get him the ball and, and let AD Mitchell win those, those 50, 50 balls and, and make a play. I mean, remember AD Mitchell caught the go ahead touchdown in the national championship game two years ago against Alabama uh, over Kyrie Jackson. And he's done this before he's been on this stage. Now it was a neutral site, but he's, he, he shouldn't be daunted by this. So um, I said, Texas 24, Alabama 23 uh, with Bert Auburn getting that last second field goal. Um, so We'll be we'll be back Monday to talk about it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, check us out in the pregame tomorrow. Me and Brad Kellner will have you held down that covert BK from three thirty to five thirty. Give y'all a little bit of time to you know just digest everything, and then we'll definitely have a post game after the show. But yeah, Chip. Looking forward to it, man. I've been waiting for this game for a very long time, and it's almost here. And, yeah, glad you're up there representing Texas Sports Unfiltered for the boys. And, yeah, it's big time. Y'all be safe up there. Yeah, and Jay Ward, yes. Um, it's part of the job. So uh, it is It is free. Um, <laughs> but uh, – and – our man Joe K says Texas kicks a field goal to win 23, 20 in the last minute of the game. I'll All right, it. kids. Hey, appreciate everybody. Tell your friends and enemies and make sure they're all subscribed to the Texas sports unfiltered uh, channel and download the Texas sports unfiltered app so that you can take us with you wherever you go. Um, for you old people like me, download the app and hit play on your phone and leave it there all day long. And put a USB cord in your car, connect it to your phone. Then it's coming through just like you're listening to us uh, in crystal clear stereo. Better than any radio signal you've ever heard. So um, 
Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Michael Griffin for, for jumping on with us. Thanks to John Talty from Bama247.com. Everybody stay safe, keep the faith, and we'll be back. Um, well, you'll be with Zay tomorrow. So keep it right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Have a great weekend. Y'all be cool.